0: Welcome to What's in the Basement, a new podcast from the Berkshire Museum. In each episode, we will explore objects and stories from our collection of over 40,000 pieces of art, historical artifacts, and natural specimens. I'm Craig Langlois, Chief Experience Officer for the Berkshire Museum and host of What's in the Basement. Today we are joined by...
1: I'm Kendra, the Experience Coordinator.
0: Welcome, Kendra. What objects are we going to be discussing today?
1: Hey, Craig. This is a glass balsamarium that dates from the 1st to 4th century CE. A balsamarium is a Roman glass vessel that was used to hold perfumes or oils. Our vessel is made of green, free-blown glass, and has a double-tube body. That just means that two vial-shaped reservoirs have been placed next to one another that share an internal divider. It likely would have held two different scents or oils, and probably had two now-missing stoppers at the top. There are horizontal stripes of overlaid ribbons of glass around the body of the perfume bottle, running nearly its entire length. At the top, there are some really lovely and delicate strands of vertical ribbons of glass that form a series of Vs along the two mouths. Over time, the glass has patinaed, which has altered the luster and transparency of the original vessel. It no longer shines a glittering soft emerald, but maybe even more beautiful today with its pearl-like opaqueness.
0: Kendra, you may recall I have a small fascination with the mineral quartz and its usage across history. Can we talk a little bit about how this object would be made?
1: Roman glass, like this, was made in a multi step process by skilled craftsmen. First, the glassmaker began by combining the raw materials and heating them in a kiln to a temperature of 1100 degrees Fahrenheit. Ancient glassmakers started with a base of sand and nitrate and included various additives to create the different colors. Green was one of the most popular colors produced, and our green glass vial, for example, was made by adding small amounts of iron to the mixture. The molten glass was left to cool and harden before it was passed to a glassblower in a different workshop. The glassblower would reheat the chunk of material, though to a lower temperature than was needed to chemically create glass from sand, only about 750 degrees, which could be achieved in your standard Roman bread oven. The glass blower would put a small amount of molten glass on the end of his blowpipe, which was like a big metal straw, and then he'd breathe into it to create a bubble. The glass could be rolled and shaped into a nearly infinite variety of shapes, sizes, and designs. Some vessels, like this one, were free-blown, while others were shaped around molds, like in a contemporary metal workshop. Once completed, the piece was left in a cooler oven to slowly solidify.
0: Kendra, how long have humans been manipulating sand or quartz and other chemicals to make glass objects?
1: Human civilizations have produced glasswares for at least 4,000 years. And natural glass, like obsidian, has existed at least as long as the planet Earth. Before the first century CE, though, glass was a luxury product, made through an arduous process and available to only the upper echelons of society. We don't know who first discovered the glass blowing process. What we do know is that within a century, it had spread across the Mediterranean world. Glass vessels held liquids like wine and oil for storage, transport, and everyday use. Surviving Roman glass pieces have a patinaed look that they did not have back then. This is caused by a chemical reaction due to exposure to soil and moisture.
0: Do we have any idea who made these pieces?
1: People in the ancient world had different ideas about art and artistry than we do today. Craftsmen were not considered artists, even though today we recognize their creations as art. Most glassmakers, sculptors, potters, and other craftspeople did not put their mark on their work. In fact, a sizable proportion of the Roman population, including many craftspeople, were slaves who had either been captured in war or born to enslaved individuals. Only two ancient glassmakers are known to have signed their pieces, making those extremely rare and valuable. This piece, like the great majority of remaining Roman glass, is unsigned. After the discovery of glass blowing in the 1st century BCE, it quickly caught on, and many individual workshops opened across the empire, mostly in the desert region of Syria-Palestine, where the essential raw material of sand was readily available.
0: Kendra, you mentioned that many Roman glass pieces were Unitarian. Like plastic cups and pitchers are common household objects today. How common would a balsarium like this be in ancient Rome?
1: Something like this would be part of a person's daily ritual. It was common practice to bring your balsamarium with you for your afternoon at the bathhouse, and regular visits to the bathhouse were important in Roman culture. These gendered spaces were as much for hygiene as they were for socializing. After a relaxing dip in a hot spring or warm water brought in from an aqueduct, your average Roman would redress and dab themselves with their perfume.
0: Kendra, we're looking at an object that is roughly 2,000 years old. As always, our last question on what's in the basement revolves around the concepts of relevancy. How is this relevant to today's audience?
1: When the anonymous craftspeople of ancient Judea discovered the secrets of blown glass, they probably didn't realize that the process they invented would still be used all these years later for much the same purpose. There have been improvements and refinements along the way, but glassblowers today still use many of the same materials and techniques as those ancient people. Roman glass has been found throughout the entirety of the Roman Empire, extending from the British Isles to the Middle East. Examples have been found as far afield as the Korean Peninsula, showing that these were highly sought after and traded across the known world. And blown glass pieces are still commonly found in our homes today. This piece not only connects us with our past, but also offers a new appreciation for the objects we use every day.
0: Museum basements can be magical places. Even though we can't have all 40,000 objects on display, we can glimpse at the depth and breadth of the museum collection through programs like this. I'm Craig Langwa, Chief Experience Officer for the Berkshire Museum. I hope you can join us for future episodes of What's in the Basement.